Welcome to Pullback. I'm Kristen Pugh, and I'm here with Kyla Hewson. Hello. Trying to be a good person can be overwhelming in our complex global marketplace. In this podcast, we try to make it a little easier by looking at the details behind consumer movements, product labels, and ethical lifestyles. Each episode, we challenge ourselves to try something new in ethical consumption. Then we tell you what we learned, fuck-ups and all. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This episode, we're going to be looking at cruelty-free. So rather than structuring it around a product, we're looking at one particular set of values. So we'll explain what cruelty-free is, what it isn't, and uh, how cruel our lifestyles are, essentially. Fabulous. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> it's a real down. And by really looking, I was going to say, by really looking forward to this, I mean, I'm really looking forward to needing a drink in an hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so I thought maybe for this one, we'd start by just talking about what cruelty free is, if that makes sense. That's perfect. Because I put like right at the top of my notes, why does cruelty free matter as being like the question of the episode for me. Like, I mean, I know why and I don't think we need to convince many people listening to this. But it's really interesting because I didn't even think about it until you and I were talking about this podcast. And you were like, you know, cleaning supplies get tested on animals like all the time. And I was like, no, surely not. I just didn't know. There was just a huge gap in my knowledge. I had no idea. Maybe I'm stupid. And most people knew that. But I just didn't even think about it. It was a total blind spot. No, I think it, I think it's one of those things that we assume doesn't exist anymore um, because it shouldn't. Uh, and unfortunately, we just I don't think business and our laws have really caught up to the capacity of science and our like ethical values on this issue. Well, and like I said, I was just so surprised when you were like, "Yeah, almost every cleaning pl- product you buy is tested on animals," and I was like. Uh, no, that can't be true. And then, you know, I didn't, I mean, I didn't really need to look it up because I believed you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was very upset. We, we were on a road trip and I was like bummed out for a while on that one. I'm a really fun person to bring on road trips. <laughs> okay, cool. So tell me, Kristen, why does cruelty free matter? I feel like this is more your wheelhouse than mine. So sure, um, at least 115 million animals are used in experiments worldwide every year. So that is a lot of dogs and cats and rabbits and mice and all sorts of animals like that. Cruelty-free essentially just means that the ingredients and final product of whatever you're purchasing hasn't been tested on animals. So it's not about cruelty in other ways that you might think about it. A lot of times there's a criticism from vegans because cruelty-free products can actually have animal ingredients in them. It is possible for you to buy something that's labeled cruelty-free that includes beeswax or gelatin or collagen. And if you're a vegan, then that really doesn't scream cruelty-free to you. Um, But the idea behind cruelty-free is just looking for something that doesn't test on animals. So they didn't shave a bunny rabbit and drop some liquid on its butt, like, yeah, to see exactly. if it gives it a rash. Yeah, and then oh, kill God. it afterwards. Um, oh. This, is, this episode Jeez, is going to be such a downer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost a jinx on that one. Okay, go on. I'm ready. Bring it. In addition to cruelty-free not being the same as vegan, uh, cruelty-free also doesn't necessarily mean that a product is ethically produced. So, for example, um, I was recently watching a video by British YouTuber Rowan Ellis, um, and she was drawing attention to the lack of um, discussion about human rights in cosmetics. So there's a lot of focus lately on cruelty-free cosmetics, but 
not a lot looking at what the labor practices are. And so essentially, she was making the point that cosmetic supply chains are often complicit in child labor, slavery, and human trafficking. So we're not really going to be talking about that this episode, but she made a really good point that cruelty-free doesn't mean that it's ethical necessarily. It just means that a product has not been tested on animals. So it's very particular. Well, and we'll do an episode on cosmetics anyway, so. We'll definitely do that. Um, so yeah, today we'll, we'll focus on cruelty-free, which is about animal experimentation and whether that's necessary. So for cosmetics anyway, uh, there are two animal tests that are the most common. One is called the Dres test, and the other is called the skin irritancy test. There was a really good description of these tests in an academic article that I read by Delciana Winders. So I'm going to quote from this article, and just a heads up, it is not nice. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) Trigger warning. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. So here we go. Hey, future Kyla here. Kristen laughs, but the warning is real. She's about to describe in pretty gruesome detail what happens during some animal testing. And if that's not something that you want to listen to, you can skip to minute eight. That should get you well past it. If you can listen to it, uh, I recommend it. It's interesting. Uh, is the wrong word? Important? I don't know. But if you can listen, I recommend it. If not, see you at minute eight. The Dre's eye irritancy test usually uses rabbits because they are docile, their eyes are much more sensitive than human eyes, and they are unable to tear, which can wash away test substances. God. <laughs> oh boy, we're just getting started, Kyla. Oh, oh, okay, I'm ready. Typically, a young rabbit is tightly restrained in a box so that he is unable to move his neck or rub his eyes with his paws. Clips sometimes hold his eyelids open. Anesthesia is generally not administered. A researcher applies a concentrated substance to the outer layer of the eye, one of the most sensitive parts of the body, and observes it over a span of days or weeks for responses such as blindness, bleeding, hemorrhaging, and ulceration. Oh, I think I might throw up. So yeah, that's the Dre's test. Uh, It's not great. The skin irritancy test for more fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, God. Wait, so the Dre's test, before you move on, what's that used for? Is it cosmetics? Yeah, like- it's basically testing whether the idea behind these sort of toxicity tests is, for for this one, it's for your eyes, right? So is some sort of substance going to cause irritancy for human eyes? So they do it by testing, or they used to anyway, and in some cases still do um, test substances using this sort of very barbaric method. But wait, the only reason you would ever need to test something going in your eye is if it's like an eye drop or or like a tear-free shampoo. Like, why would you need – is that all they're testing or are they testing other – because we know not to put makeup in our eyes, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, well, we'll talk a little bit more about sort of like the history of testing. Okay. But first, let's talk about the other one. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going back to the Delciano Winders quote. For the skin irritancy test, a researcher shaves and often abrades a rabbit's skin. To abrade the skin, adhesive tape is repeatedly applied and ripped off until several layers of skin are exposed. The researcher then applies a highly concentrated test substance to the raw area over a period of days or weeks and observes it for corrosion, weeping, inflammation, and other forms of irritation. At the end of both tests, so this the skin irritation test and the Dre's test, the rabbits are generally killed. Wait, so they do this, they do both of these awful tests on the same rabbit? Oh, no, they would do it on different rabbits, I think. The point is that they're tortured for weeks and then <sighs> they die. Jesus. They're killed mostly. Okay. 
So the animals that are most often used in cosmetic testing are rabbits, guinea pigs, mice, and rats. And then there's another set of sort of animal testing concerns that is a little different from cruelty-free. There's animal testing still used in medical research, and that's a little bit more complicated, I think. So there are dogs, cats, and non-human primates that are used in those kinds of tests. But primarily what we'll be talking about is testing for sort of cosmetics and household products, right? I mean, you need to test medicine, but I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about medical testing. I don't know if you did any research on that. Not really, but um, it is sort of the two, the two are kind of intertwined in their history. So we'll maybe talk about that a little bit. So animal testing is something that's been in practice, at least in the United States, since the 1920s. And in 1938, the U.S. Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act mandated animal testing to establish the safety of any new drug. So that was um, that law was a reaction to uh, the death of at least 100 people from a poisonous drug called elixir sulfanoamide. Um, so it was essentially like there was a public health concern And the decision was you had to mandate to make sure drugs were safe testing on animals, which I think a lot of people even at the time thought was um, an unethical thing to do. But at the time, there really weren't better testing methods or arguably anyway. So it was maybe more justifiable than it is today. Um, So essentially, there's been uh, a cruelty-free movement since the late 1800s, um, but it sort of really started to gather momentum in 1980. Um, and that was when activists uh, successfully got Revlon to commit to stop using the Dre's test. So that test where they're really fucking up rabbit's eyes, Revlon committed not to use it anymore in 1980. Oh, Revlon is older than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know nothing about the cosmetics industry, honestly. Are they totally cruelty-free now, or...? I'm not sure. Yeah, I I just know that they made that commitment in 1980. And it was it drew buzz. So other in cosmetic industry titans were probably like, oh, people care about this. Okay, well, I mean, good for Revlon. I don't know if they're still doing it, but I'll check. You, yeah. you can keep going while I do that. <laughs> the movement starts to pick up a little bit more momentum in the 1990s. So in 1996, um, a bunch of different animal protection groups formed the Coalition for Consumer Information on Cosmetics, um, or CCIC. It manages the Leaping Bunny certification. So yeah, it runs that certification program in the United States and Canada. Um, And then since the the 2000s, there have been a lot of successes in establishing cruelty-free laws. um, And as well, consumers are starting to demand cruelty-free products. So it's starting to see a real sea change, but We're not where we need to be yet, for sure. So I have a question that you're probably about to answer. (laughs) But when (laughs) when you're looking at something and it has the Leaping Bunny logo, basically I know that in some cases products will call themselves cruelty-free when the final product hasn't been tested on animals, but the ingredients individually have been. So when you get the Leaping Bunny logo, can you feel pretty certain that no part of it was tested on animals at any point in the manufacturing process? Yeah, mostly. um, But we'll talk more about Leaping Bunny in a bit. First, I want to just talk about whether cruelty or whether animal testing is a necessary thing today. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Yeah. As as we mentioned, medical testing is a little bit more of a complicated ethical case. um, But in terms of animal testing for like cosmetics and household products, 
The general consensus is that it's usually unnecessary. So there are lots of ingredients that are known to be safe, and there are also non-animal testing methods. There's like a list of like 7,000 ingredients that you can use. Exactly. And you can use them in, I think, almost any combination with each other. And so why would you need to test, you know, nowadays? I'm sure that you're going to get into China, uh, which I have done some research on for this episode as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's good. Interesting. Yeah. So in addition to those 7,000 ingredients that we know are safe, um, there are also alternative testing methods that make animal testing unnecessary. So even if you do need to test a new substance, um, you don't need to use animals. And also uh, animal toxicity tests aren't really that accurate anyway, because human beings are different from animals. Go figure. <laughs> we have different skin types. <laughs> Whoa. Um, yeah. So there, it really there's no reason to be using it in for household products or for cosmetics. You should be able to buy cruelty free. Did you read that they are starting to work on like lab grown skin that they can <laughs> do tests on? Did you Did you not read that? I no, I didn't. Have, I, I meant to send it to you. I'll we'll, I'll include a link in our bio or on our page. Basically, it's I don't know how far along it is, but basically, yeah, they're they're working on. I think it's maybe using stem cells to grow like human skin in a petri dish, and then they could use that for cosmetic testing. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Although science science really creeps is me wild. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, scientists. <laughs> We've finally gone too far. <laughs> This is a pro-science podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Even when they do creepy things. Um, Okay. I think it's also important to note that, like, the public is increasingly concerned about animal testing. So I found a poll that said that more than half of Americans opposed animal testing, and that was from 2018. And they they essentially found that um, in comparison to their previous poll that that number had gone up. So younger people as well are um, much more likely to oppose animal testing. So they are at 56%. And women are much more likely to oppose animal testing. So they're at 62%. And in contrast, uh, only 40% of American men oppose animal testing. This is like a similar theme that you see all over the place with like sustainability and other ethical stuff. Like, men, what are y'all doing? Seriously. But also, I mean, to be fair, men don't have to worry about it as much as women because for the most part, we're using more cosmetic products than they are. And I mean, not that men aren't buying household cleaning products, but I think a lot of that burden still falls on women in a lot of domestic relationships, especially maybe heterosexual ones. But Definitely, yeah. And, you know, uh, we're we're certainly more progressive than we used to be, but yeah, and I think that that ends up playing a role. Um, it's similar to they found that with sustainability branding, men are much less likely to buy something that's labeled as sustainable, unless there's also reinforcing branding on product that says it's for men. So it's like masculinity is threatened by ethics or something. I I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Men, please at Kristen for that one. (laughs) Or, you know, just make sure that whenever there's a poll asking whether you care about ethics, you sign in and say that you do care. Skew those numbers up. Yeah. You know how you could really get me is by buying ethical products. (laughs) That would show me. (laughs) Prove prove us wrong. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah, so we're really moving forward. It's a there's a lot going on from sort of in terms of public attention and also 
The EU has a really awesome animal testing directive that specifies companies must not test on animals if there's an alternative method that is accepted under EU legislation. So Petri dish skin. Yeah, so Petri dishes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and there are also a bunch of other countries that have cruelty-free laws that are in some ways similar, although some are stronger than others. Uh, So India, Vietnam, New Zealand, Israel, Norway, and Taiwan were all countries that I found. There are probably more. Those are just the ones I found. Canada and the United States do not have laws like this, but there has been legislation that sort of bounces in and out for both. Um, So notably, Canada has a bill under consideration that will hopefully be voted on in the next parliament, um, although we'll see. (laughs) It's been reintroduced a bunch of times since 2015, so they should get on it. You should write your parliamentarian. Call your MP. Leave them a voicemail. (laughs) Tell them Christensen. Yeah. So um, there are also, in the United States, there are at least three states that have laws requiring that non-animal safety tests be used before animal tests. So California was the first one, and then uh, New Jersey and New York followed. So hooray for those three states. But you you did more research on China. Um, I wasn't able to find where they were currently with their legislation. Um, they're sort of like the opposite case, though, from what I understand, that Um, They still require animal tests for imports. So if a brand is sold, it's necessarily not cruelty-free in China. Although I had seen something that might have suggested they'd rolled that back a bit. Did you find anything? Yeah. So uh, it it is – I I was having trouble finding – basically – I'm on PETA's website right now just to see, and then they wrote an article in May basically called, and I'll link to this, uh, New Cosmetics Testing Regs in China Could Spare Thousands of Animals. So it looks like basically they have drafted new regulations, but but they hadn't passed yet when this was printed back in May. And like you, I couldn't really find where they're at present day. So we'll be sure to tweet that as soon as there's any news. But basically, what the story with China is, is that they require animal testing to sell products on their shelves, which is really unfortunate because it's such a huge market. Unfortunately, for a lot of big companies, pulling out of China just isn't you know, it's not, it's it's an option, but I can understand that like bottom line wise, it would cost them a huge, it would cut into their bottom line hugely. And it's hard to, I mean, I, I'm very much like a down with capitalism sort, but on the other hand, I do recognize that, you know, that's a tough call to make, right? So the, to to the credit of some, there are some companies that have pulled out of China in protest, and I think that's incredible that they would do that because um, the cosmetics industry is so big there, and it would be really great if China um, does go forward with these new regulations. Um, but even the regulations that I was kind of looking at, I think it, I think they might still require testing on new products. But not on, you know, I'm saying this like I know, but I'm going to just have to tweet out the information when I get it. But basically, as of right now, as of the information that I have, they still do require testing on animals for products to be sold in China. And it's just such a, it's such a big market that, yeah, it's really tricky because I have a really good example, actually, when I was doing my challenge, which we'll talk about in a bit. But I'm going to go ahead and skip to that real quick and just talk about it briefly. I was trying to buy cruelty-free for a while. I'm going to honestly be trying to buy cruelty-free from now on. But I had quite a few... I've just moved I've just moved into a new 
um, home, basically, and I have been living abroad for quite a while, so I don't own very many things. I needed to go restock on uh, my cosmetics because I'm working in a uh, well, sometimes I do background work for movies, and unfortunately, they require makeup. So I was standing in a mall, and I'm looking at MAC, and I'm looking at Urban Decay. They're literally right next to each other. And I was just like, oh, no, which one do I go to? And I quickly Googled, you know, which one is cruelty-free? And it's really complicated uh, because Urban Decay is cruelty-free, but they're owned by their parent company, L'Oreal. And L'Oreal is a tricky and interesting example because... PETA has a pretty good write-up about them that sums it up nicely. Basically, L'Oreal has made huge improvements over the years and now doesn't test its ingredients or final products on animals. However, because it's a brand that sells to China, its products are still tested in some capacity there. And this is, of course, because of the Chinese laws. So L'Oreal has made great strides, but it doesn't get the seal of approval from PETA. And because Urban Decay is owned by L'Oreal, I'm like, well, I don't know, because Urban Decay isn't sold in China. They've done that on purpose. So it gets really complicated when you start talking about China, basically. <laughs> yeah, I wonder whether that's what's going on with... Um, so I looked at my cleaning products, and I thought, oh, all of mine are like Mrs. Meyers cleaning products. They love the Leaping Bunny. So like, I think this will be easy. Um, but the app that I was using that we'll talk about in a bit, it had them on the like the no bad tests on animals list. And the reason is that they're owned by SC Johnson. So okay. even though Mrs. Myers, the brand um, does not test on animals. And it's interesting because they did like they're certified by Leaping Bunny, but the parent company does test on animals. So yes, the same how do you Urban make those Decay. choices? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Urban Decay is, it does have a Leaping Bunny on it, but yeah, like how it's, it's so, it gets so complicated. I'm still pretty com I'm still pretty comfortable buying from Urban Decay, honestly. Like they they've made the decision for their, you know, part of the company not to sell in China. And like to L'Oreal's, you know, credit, they don't test anywhere else. And if China rolled back their laws, they would be a cruelty-free com um, company. So like I I get it, you know, it's hard to pull out of China. <laughs> Are they on the um the PETA like working for regulation list or whatever? They've got like a don't test. Actually, let's talk about the cruelty free labels now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then we can talk about that. But yeah, so there there are different cruelty-free labels out there, um, and they usually apply to cosmetics, personal care products, and other household products. So cleaning products is a common one too. Um, the two strictest ones and the ones we'll be talking about are the Leaping Bunny label and PETA's cruelty-free labels. The Leaping Bunny label, as I mentioned before, is managed by the Coalition for Consumer Information on Cosmetics. And in order to be certified with them, uh, you, can't, you can't do any animal testing on ingredients or final products. Um, you can't use ingredients that were tested on animals after a certain cutoff date. So if they were tested on animals in the past, then that's that's fine. But after a certain date, not okay. Um, and you also have to have a supplier monitoring system to ensure that your suppliers are following those rules, which makes sense. PETA's cruelty-free label or don't test list um, also applies to products or ingredients. So a company that claims that it doesn't test on animals, but that doesn't appear on PETA's lists, um, it's possible that they may have eliminated tests on animals for finished finish products, but not for ingredients. So there can be those kinds of discrepancies, but generally you can trust these two lists pretty, 
pretty well, I would say. They're the two good ones, I guess. Is that sort of what you found too? Yeah, it's it's better than buying... Uh, it's better than buying nothing. Like, if there's no seal of approval, then, like, it's probably for sure been tested. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can Like, just... at least these guys are trying, right? Especially if it's a big global brand. Um, one of the things that I found is uh, you'll have companies that are missing from these labels. Because if basically the way s- these certification programs work is you, you have to, like, affirmatively sign up if you're a company. So... If a company isn't on one of these lists, um, but they claim not to test on animals, sometimes that's dubious, but it might just mean that they're like a little Canadian company and they haven't signed up yet. So it can be kind of difficult to discern in that sense. But for the most part, I would say going with one of these labels is the easiest way for you to trust that what you're buying isn't being tested on animals. Although sometimes the parent company does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but you also f- you found an app that you could use as well. Please tell me about that because this is the first time hearing about it. And it would have yeah. made my challenge so much easier. <laughs> so there are three apps that I found, um, but two of them suck. So, you know. Let's just talk about the one that's good. <laughs> well, I'll talk about the other two if you want. Um, the first one's cruelty-free. Um, it's a Leaping Bunny app. So... If you're super into the Leaping Bunny label, that is the application that you want to use. But I found it really hard to use. Um, And also, people reviewing the app had said that it wasn't updated that regularly, which is a problem for accuracy, I think. So I would say don't use that one. PETA also has one called Bunny Free. Um, It's a little bit better. The app allows you to search companies to see whether they're on the do or don't test lists. You can also browse companies by their cruelty-free status, um, as well as whether they're, like, vegan or not. And so that one, that one's okay, but you can't sort of, like, just be in a store and say, oh, I want to know whether this is fine or not. Um, you would have to sort of go into their product categories and search to find companies. So that works, but I really liked the third one the best. Um, it's an app called Cruelty Cutter. So Cruelty Cutter is, it's basically an app that allows you to scan barcodes to determine the cruelty-free status of the products. I found it so easy to use. You just, you literally open the app, click the scan button, and then you just hover it over the barcode and it'll pop up green or red, basically, for whether they're cruelty-free or not. Oh my God, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's run by an organization called the Beagle Freedom Proje- Project, um, and that's because beagles are the most common type of dog that's used in animal testing, so oh, that's why the organization's no. called that. Oh, I know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. Beagles are so cute. Uh- <laughs> oh, oh, I feel sick. Yeah. The Beagle Freedom Project independently researches companies and requests statements, but they aren't a formal certification standard, um, so they wouldn't do like independent audits or anything like that. Um, however, the ri- the list seems reasonably reliable. I actually found that like they were they are the the one that sort of said this one leaping bunny product's not okay because it's parent company's SC Johnson. So I don't think they're willy nilly with who they use. The other thing that I think is super cool about um, Cruelty Cutter is that you get you get these things called doggy points. I don't actually even know what the doggy points do, but um, they basically crowdsource their list. So. If, say, you scanned a barcode and it didn't pop up in their database, which happened for me a few times because I was in Whole Foods looking at a bunch of Canadian brands, if they don't pop up in their database, they'll basically say, you should send an email or we'll send an email to, to try to sort of find out who they are. 
And so it like sends you a template and you just click send and then they'll go research it for you. And then soon it'll be in the database. Wow. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I really like that because um, I tried to search the deodorant that I use, which is a, like a waste-free deodorant company called Routine. And I think it's just too small to have really drawn the attention of this app yet. Um, I would strongly suspect, because they're also vegan, that they don't test on animals. But who knows? I don't know yet. But uh, <laughs> Maybe they're big in China. <laughs> the vegan who knows? Vegan going to check. Yeah, maybe they're, maybe they're huge in China. Who knows? Um but yeah, so I really like that about it. So I think what we were going to do is um, I have been watching the YouTubes um, because I'm one with the youth. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> yeah. Hello, fellow kids. I found this uh, this trend that I guess was um, popular a couple of years ago amongst beauty YouTubers. Um, and it was basically um, how cruel is my makeup bag? And so these YouTubers would go through their makeup bag and basically look at whether each product in it was cruelty free or not. So I thought it could be fun to try that. And I'll use the Cruelty Cutter app, and then you're going to look online for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you say fun in the loosest sense of the word, I think. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first one is um, my L'Oreal Powder Foundation. Uh, and that um, we have already spoiled. <laughs> I think I know what the result of this will be, but let's see. It's not cruelty-free <laughs> because L'Oreal still tests in China. Next one is a Sephora brand bronzer. I found this this app is mostly good, but it's tough sometimes with small barcodes. Well, if it helps, I can spoil it for you. Sephora still sells their stuff in China. No, Sephora. Yeah. I kind of figured that that was the case. Yeah, <laughs> I looked it up. It's a big market, you know? <laughs> yeah, this one's not scanning. So this app isn't perfect, but it's pretty good. Well, let's see whether I've got another Sephora product. That's where I buy all my makeup because I'm not creative. Yeah, not cruelty-free. <laughs> okay. Well, and yeah, they're all they're all Sephora. So basically, next time I'm buying makeup, I need to just start from scratch. Well, er, I can recommend Urban Decay. I've actually <laughs> been really happy with the new products I bought, although it's so expensive. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I guess makeup is one of those things that you only buy every once in a while, so... Maybe yeah, that's all, all right. Is it my turn then? Yeah, your turn. Okay, so I just bought some new um, foundation, mascara, and what is it called? Uh, concealer <laughs> <laughs> from Urban Decay. So I feel pretty good about those. Okay, and then I have a really old blush that I've had for probably 10 years. <laughs> I don't wear a lot of makeup. This one's CoverGirl, and CoverGirl is cruelty-free, but they're owned by Procter & Gamble. So some of those products that Procter & Gamble have are not cruelty-free. So it's the same issue as with Urban Decay, basically, where um, the product itself is cruelty-free, but the parent company is not. I have an eyeshadow here that's really old, and the logo has worn off of it. So who knows? That's a mystery. I have a bronzer that I bought from Boots in London, and uh, Boots is cruelty-free. Nice. So good for you guys. <laughs> okay, so I have Rimmel lipstick and a Rimmel primer, and I'm, I can't remember if Rimmel was cruelty-free. I don't think it is, so I'm just going to check. I'm pretty sure they're in China. Rimmel is not cruelty free. So that's a bummer because I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this uh, primer and I really like that lipstick. So I'm going to have to find new ones as soon as those run out. Do you know, I was in a shopper's drug mart looking for like a new lip sort of 
thing and I found a, a brand called, oh, what's it called? It's in Whole Foods as well. It's called Bees something. I'll link to it. Bees? Bees. <laughs> but basically, I saw it in Shoppers Drug Mart and it, it has a Leaping Bunny approval. And I was like, great, I'll buy this one. I'm not a huge fan of it, but there are more products from that brand that I saw in Whole Foods. So I am like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, basically, I'm going to be living in this podcast is going to have me living in Lush and Whole Foods for the rest of my life. So I hope you feel good about how poor you've made me. <laughs> Yeah, Lush is um, a company I do not feel bad spending money on. No, yeah, Lush is really good. Whole Foods has been really good too, actually. Because um, one of the other things that I did for my challenge was like I needed a new hairspray. And I was like, okay, let's find a cruelty-free hairspray or an ethical hairspray of some sort. And I have to check, actually. Hang on. <laughs> Ooh, I can use my app, my app on the hairspray. Okay, I'm going to go and come back. Um, I'll, be, I'll be right back. Okay, my hairspray, which I have not used in at least six months, is Tresemme. Ooh la la. Aha, it worked. And it's not cruelty-free because it's owned by Unilever. Oh. <laughs> this is bumming me out. Yeah, I've, I feel like I'm doing okay on the cruelty-free here because I went ahead and <laughs> bought a bunch of cruelty-free cosmetics recently, whereas you still need to wait for yours to run out before you can get new ones. Yeah, and I still think um, for the cleaning supplies that I checked, I still think I'm okay with buying Mrs. Myers, even though their parent company tests on animals, you know? Yeah, it's it's tricky. Like, that's what makes this podcast fun, is that there are no right answers. No, everything is shitty. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, my hairspray that I got in Whole Foods is from uh, Giovanni, and it has the Leaping Bunny seal of approval. So my hairspray is cruelty-free, and I feel pretty good about that. Well, and Mrs. Myers, like, does have the Leaping Bunny logo. I, I, think, I think I'm okay okay with, for the most part, companies where the subsidiary is cruelty-free as long as I'm buying from the subsidiary. Because if you have like, I don't know, I like to think of myself as an ethical consumer that's trying to push the market. And so the more I'm buying from that wing of their company, the more it makes it likely that they'll want to mainstream that. I know I'm just one person, but if everybody thinks like me, then they'll, that will sort of shape their... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Like, if everyone's buying Urban Decay, L'Oreal's going to have to invest more money in that, and then they'll realize, like, oh, like, there's a huge demand here. Maybe we should look at upgrading our other stuff. I agree with you. That's kind of the conclusion I came to with Urban Decay when I was doing my shopping. Although, frankly, I can't afford to buy too much new makeup because, oh, boy, <laughs> <laughs> it adds up. It's been so long since I've had to buy makeup. Ooh. Yeah, and I'm really putting it off because, um, well, the cruelty-free actually I think will be a lot easier than I'm trying to go waste-free as much as I can. And all of these things are in, like, little plastic packages. Well, you can just make your own makeup from scratch, right? <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> Uh, when we made toothpaste, that worked really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I think that I'm gonna. Uh, I think I, I threw in an edit over top of our toothpaste episode that was basically like <laughs> I used my toothpaste for three days and then I had to throw it away. <laughs> so some things work better than others for making them at home. Yeah, oat milk for life, man. But yeah, makeup maybe not so much. <laughs> 
So when it comes to the challenge that I did, I basically went over all of the details earlier. Um, I haven't had to buy makeup in, I don't know, three or four years. And my old stuff just wasn't cutting it anymore, considering I'm doing so much work um, as a background person on movies and TV shows now. (laughs) So I had to go out and get all my new stuff. And yeah, I was actually just mostly surprised at how much trickier this challenge was than I expected it to be. So that was a bummer. I'm moving into my new flat today, so I'll be buying cleaning products next week, and I expect that that will also be a bit of a pain, although the place I'm moving into is literally across the street from a Whole Foods, and I'm going to download this app that you are using. So maybe it'll be easier than my makeup thing has been now that I'm learning. Yeah. And I actually, I favorited some of the brands that I found in Whole Foods. So we'll see. Oh, and I just wanted to, I I did one, one thing surprised me when I was doing my um, cruelty-free sort of cosmetic challenge this past week, a a brand that I expected not to be cruelty-free is, um, and it's ELF, Eyes, Lips, Face, that really cheap, like makeup brand. They're vegan and they have the PETA stamp of approval, which I don't know what shocked me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause they're so there's their brand is just so like marketed at um it's it's inexpensive product, you know what I mean? It's something that maybe uh young girls will start with when they're first learning how to to do makeup or people who are on a budget, like myself usually. Uh if you're buying ELF, you can feel pretty good about it, turns out. I had no idea. I was expecting not that to be the case. So good good for them. I'm really pleased with mm-hmm, them. That's great. <laughs> there are a whole bunch of cleaning supply products that are um, that are cruelty-free as well. So Desert Essences, that's, um, I suppose that's not a cleaning product so much as like cleanser and stuff, but they're who I buy my um, face cleanser through and they are cruelty-free as is Giovanni for their shampoo. I was pleasantly surprised to find that I didn't have to worry about that. For cleaning supplies, Seventh Generation produces a bunch of stuff. And then the sort of Eco Max and Nature Clean brands as well. They're they're all cruelty free. So it's not I found cosmetics was sort of the hardest one. Um maybe that's just because I literally did no work for it at all. I was just looking at what I had in my house. But like I just sort of by virtue of the way that marketing is drawn to me, had mostly picked cruelty free stuff for cleaning and sort of personal care products already. Nice. Yeah, I just don't I just because I've been living abroad, I just don't have anything. So I'm going to be able to go ahead and cheat and buy cruelty free from now on, which is good. Yeah. I'm about to buy a bunch <laughs> of stuff. Uh, so I don't think that's cheating. <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to uh, Whole Foods getting all of my money because that's that's the other thing that's really difficult about um, trying to be ethical, trying to buy cruelty free. The The stuff that's good for the planet just costs more, which isn't feasible for everybody. Which is why I was really pleased to see that ELF, um, or ELF, I don't know how normal people pronounce it, but I was really pleased to see that they are vegan and cruelty-free because that's a that's an option for people who maybe can't afford to go to Urban Decay and spend, you know, $50 on a foundation every time. Yeah, and I will say some of the, like, like the Desert Essences and Giovanni personal care products that I use, like their shampoo and cleanser, they're not that expensive, honestly. I think... You know what? I'm not going to estimate how much they they cost, but but they're both under ten dollars. Um, so. Yeah, the Giovanni um, hairspray that I just bought from Whole Foods the other day was I think twelve dollars. So, I mean, it's probably more expensive than you can get a really cheap hairspray for, but also it's probably better for my hair. So it's a win win win, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I think all of the Desert Essences stuff is also vegan, so you can feel good about that. 
And there, there are some cleaning supplies that aren't all that expensive that you can get that are cruelty free. But we definitely should do an episode at some point on like class and ethical consumption, because a lot of the time it's Academics call it sort of a price premium that essentially if you're buying ethical products, it's because a company thinks that they can, by certifying it as like cruelty-free or sustainable or whatever, that they can charge slightly more for it. And that's the incentive. So that ends up meaning that like most of the consumers of these kinds of products are people with a little bit more pocket money in wealthy countries, basically. Yeah. And I mean, even in countries even in Canada, I'm certainly not a wealthy person. I'm more likely to walk. Well, I used to be, especially before I left. And now I'm a little bit older. I I I value product a little bit more. But back four years ago, when I was when I was a little younger, I'd walk into a Walmart first and never even think about the ethics behind what I was buying. And I'll tell you what, there's not a lot of ethical products on Walmart's shelves, unless you're buying Elf, ELF, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why the like the legislative efforts are so important. Like Canadians shouldn't have to worry about whether consumers in general shouldn't have to worry about whether the products that they're using have been sort of created on the backs of torturing rabbits. Like there's no reason for that. So we should just pass cruelty-free laws. Or beagles, Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Just write your write your congressman, write your member of parliament, because honestly, this needs to be in legislation right away. Yeah, we're recording this episode right before the election. So <laughs> Which one? You we'll see know. how that goes in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm going to be registering to vote next week. I tried to do it online, and they were like, "No, you have a really dodgy living <laughs> history, so I have to go in and do it in an office." But um, most people are able to do it online. I would tell people to register to vote, but by the time this episode comes out, it will be too late. Yeah, unless you're American, in which case, register to vote. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, did you have anything else to add on cruelty-free or was talking about torturing rabbits and dogs enough for you this episode? No, I think we've sufficiently lost like all 10 listeners that we have. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put like a, I'll, I'll drop an edit at the top that's just like uh, <laughs> explicit warning on this one because that was really depressing. Yeah, it was very dark. Uh, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> well, in that case, then um, we're going to make sure that the next episode that comes out is fun. <laughs> but we had to do this one at some point, you know? And I guess I'll say thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. Don't tell your friends to start with this one. <laughs> <laughs> or do if you hate your friends. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you can tweet us if you have any comments you want to add. We're at Pullback Podcast or at Kristen Pugh or at Kyla Hewson if you wanted to yell at one of us individually, by all means. <laughs> Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next time. All right, thanks. Bye. God, why isn't this scanning? It works so well in Whole Foods. Oh yeah, now that you now you're on the spot, now you're being recorded. I'm so stressed. Okay, I don't really have that much makeup. And it's like all the same brand. <laughs>